Alleluia, Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Alleluia. This is the call and response of Christians all over the world this morning. And I was thinking about the enthusiasm which these words bring to us, the good news that this is, because this has been a long week. At the end of last Sunday's service, we were remembering how Jesus was tried and found guilty and thus executed. So we left last Sunday's service in silence. And through this week, many people have observed the story of Jesus' last week of his life. Doing particular services on Thursday night, having dinner together, washing one another's feet for those that were interested, stripping the altar of all of its glory because that is what was done to Jesus. Sitting in vigil, in prayer, all through Thursday night, people coming for one-hour prayer sessions, remembering how it was that Jesus prayed the night before he was crucified. And then on Good Friday, we had an ecumenical service here that lasted three hours with various reflections on the scripture. That evening, we had our own Good Friday service, bringing in a wooden cross, reflecting on a crown of thorns, and then yesterday, we had the first service of Easter in the evening. We had a big fire out in front of South Hall to remind us that light does overcome darkness, that Christ did break the bonds of death. And we came in here to sing, recounting our salvation history and remembering the glory made known in Jesus' resurrection. So we come to this Sunday liberated, Freed, freed from our sin, free from the bondage of death. And so we needed a timpani, and we needed brass. We needed cymbals, somehow to try to convey what it is that has happened for each of us here. And I was reminded, too, that this is March Madness. <laughs> you know what it feels like to be passionate about something. I'm sure you have yelled at your TV at least once in these last few days. And so I invite you to wed these two worlds, the enthusiasm you might feel about basketball and the enthusiasm you might feel about the risen Lord. So I'm going to invite you to participate in this call and response as a congregation. This side will say, Alleluia, Christ is risen. This side, will say, the Lord is risen indeed, alleluia. And it will be your charge on your side to make sure your side is the loudest. <laughs> Let us begin. Alleluia. Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed, alleluia. We have heard this story, this story of Jesus' resurrection before. We tell this story every year because it is the story that changed everything. It's unbelievable. There is no reason to believe it. Through Christ, the chains of death were broken. Death no longer has the last word. The women who ran to the tomb that early morning saw for themselves that Jesus wasn't there. Then they remembered Jesus' words about rising on the third day. 
All of the times that Jesus had said this to them while he was ministering among them, it never made sense. But now it makes sense. Peter ran to the tomb to see for himself. He then knew it too. Peter, this is the one who was a disciple of Jesus, who followed Jesus throughout his ministry. Peter, who knew that Jesus was the Messiah, but didn't know exactly what that meant. Peter, the one who denied Jesus three times before the cock crowed. Peter, who was the one giving the speech in our first reading this morning from the book of Acts. In it, he says, I truly understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. Peter reminds us of the truth of Jesus' resurrection. Just as death shows no partiality because we all die, Jesus' resurrection from the dead is impartial too. In Jesus' resurrection, the bonds of death are broken for all those who die. The oneness with God is offered to all people, regardless of race, class, or creed. Paul tells us of new life offered in Jesus, too. In the letter to the Corinthians, he recounts to us how the salvation of God unfolded in Jesus. That Christ died for our sins taking unto himself all of our practices that separate us from the love of God because they are not part of God's love. Violence, hatred, judgment. Such horribleness killed Jesus, so we thought. For Jesus died and was laid in a tomb. Three days later he was raised, which scripture said, but we found impossible to believe, Paul tells us. But then he appeared to Cephas, who was the same as Peter, and to the 12 disciples, and then to 500 people, which you can read about in the book of Acts, and then to James and to others who followed him. But what Paul really wants us to know is that Jesus appeared to him, not exactly in the way that he had to others, but undeniably so. You see, Paul never met Jesus face to face. He calls himself untimely born. And even worse than that, Paul persecuted the followers of Jesus. We read about this in the book of Acts, how Paul, who was called Saul, oversaw the stoning of Stephen, who was a follower of Jesus. Stephen was the first follower of Jesus to be killed for his religious convictions. We also read that Saul, before he became Paul, breathed murderous threats against the followers of Jesus. He actually pursued the followers of Jesus with the conviction of his own sense of religious warfare. And then one day, Jesus appeared to Saul, and his life was changed forever. He was given a new name, Paul and he took the energy that he used to persecute the followers of Jesus and instead promoted the good news of God in Jesus Christ. He wanted to make sure that everyone knew of the good news of God in Jesus Christ. On Good Friday, Jesus took unto himself all of humanity, 
including the hatred, fear, and violence that we engage in, and offered love and forgiveness so that we might be one with him. Paul, in essence, says, it's true, because it happened to me. I offered God my hatred, fear, and violence through my persecution of those that followed him. Jesus came to me and offered love and forgiveness so that I might be one with him. Thus the news spread. And as people who had experienced the risen Christ told others about their experience, others came to know the power of God in Christ themselves. This is our inheritance. Each of us is here because someone else told us about their experience with the risen Christ. Their lives were shaped in some way by his resurrection, and we found ourselves wanting our lives to be shaped differently too. One of the things I like about serving here at St. Stephen's is that there are a lot of people here who know God's love and forgiveness in very real ways in their lives. They know through experience the gift that it is and that it is a gift for all. And they have been undeniably changed because of it. Those who are a part of St. Stephen's that don't know this gift of God's love and forgiveness like being around those that do because they in some way experience vicariously all of the love and forgiveness of God made known through Jesus Christ through one another. With the risen Christ as our companion and guide, we learn to love one another as God loved us. It is the truth of the resurrection that empowers us to imagine what this new reality might be. One of my favorite authors, John Updike, wrote a poem entitled The Seven Stanzas of Easter. And it goes like this. Make no mistake, if he rose at all, it was as his body. If the cell's disillusion did not reverse, the molecular, the molecule re-knit, the amino acids rekindle, the church will fall. It was not as the flowers, each soft spring recurrent. It was not as his spirit in the mouths and fuddled eyes of the 11 apostles. It was as his flesh, ours. The same hinged thumbs and toes, the same valved heart that pierced, died, withered, paused, and then regathered out of enduring might, new strength to enclose. Let us not mock God with metaphor, analogy, sidestepping, transcendence, making of the event a parable, a sign painted in the faded credulity of earlier ages. Let us walk through the door. The stone is rolled back, not paper mache, not a stone in a story, but the vast rock of materiality that in the slow grinding of time will eclipse for all of us the wide light of day. And if we have an angel at the tomb, make it a real angel. 
weighty with Max Planck's quanta, vivid with hair, opaque in the dawn light, robed in real linen, spun on a definite loom. Let us not seek to make it less monstrous for our own convenience, our own sense of beauty, lest, awakened in one unthinkable hour, we are embarrassed by the miracle and crushed by remonstrance. We celebrate Christ's resurrection today on Easter Day. We know this truth through the first witnesses of the risen Lord. We know this truth through the witnesses in our own lives. Perhaps you know this truth through your own experience. Death no longer has the last word. Alleluia, Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Alleluia. Alleluia.